Welcome to the Gridiron Icon Podcast, where we visit with legends of the game. Touchdown, touchdown. Including players and coaches from the NFL, college football, and beyond. And now, fresh off the end of the bench, Stacy Bauman and NFL legend Preston Denard. All right, podcast listeners and fans, thank you so much for joining us. I'm Preston Denard, and joining me once again is my cohort to the other side, Mr. Stacy Bauman. Glad to have you, Stace. Thank you, and, sir. And of course, you know, the uh, old hat trick in, in, in hockey. Well, I'm still sporting the hat trick. And uh, my version of the newest hat, all Benny State University. So that's our little signature run here. We'll see how many hats I can put on. I got to put an NBA one on. And uh, I got a couple around here. Hey, I can get a bunch of hats on. Oh, oh, yeah, you can. Yeah, you can. Just a few. Just a few. Spoken spoken like the confident man he's always been. Ladies and gentlemen, today we embrace an iconic athlete who literally changed the art of free throw shooting, in my opinion, if not only for himself. Rick Berry, college All-American and a Hall of Famer, both ABA, NBA. There's so much we can talk about with Mr. Berry. We're going to let him do all that. Um, one of the most gifted basketball players who ranks among the most prolific scorers out there. And everybody knows about our guys shooting today. But there was some shooting going on back in his day. Uh, one of the all-round players in basketball history. Everyone, welcome Mr. Rick Berry. All right. This is huge. All right. Really huge. huge. Okay, Rick. One thing you you need to call me Rick, not Mr. Barry, please. That's my father. You know what? You're the second one. You're the second one that's been our guest to say that. I'm taking that to heart from now on. I wonder how I should. I love that. that. Mr. Denard, uh, call me Preston. Okay. All right, my friend. Well, (laughs) hey, let's kick this thing off because there is so much to talk about and we don't have a whole bunch of time to do it. So thankful you could be here. Take us back. To day one, the time, whether it was a baseball, a bat, or a football, or maybe it been a basketball, you got interested in sports, got introduced to it. How did that happen? Uh, actually, I have an older brother, Dennis, uh, who unfortunately just passed away recently. Uh, oh. uh, but he's, he's in a better place yes, and not sir. suffering. So that's a good thing. But he, I, he was a great big brother, and whatever he did, he was nine, I was five, and my father was a semi-pro player and coach, but my father had taught me how to play baseball, and he then taught me how to play basketball because I got interested because my brother got interested at nine, and that's how it really kind of all started. It's uh, It's been a part of the Barry family for, for decades and decades and decades, and I actually was a better baseball player than I was a basketball player in, in, in high school. Uh, I was oh. an all-state all-state baseball player, and I wore 24 because of Willie Mays. He was my hero because oh, my dad told me how to wow. catch the old basket catch down here. Yep. And wow. uh, and so he was a rookie. After my dad taught me that, I said, oh, that's my guy. Turned out to a pretty <laughs> good one. And, uh, I mean, you know, just such a great country to live in, and life was so interesting. My boyhood hero wound up becoming a personal friend when I moved out to San Francisco to play for the Warriors, got to know him, and was invited to speak at his 80th birthday celebration at Ballet's Hotel in, in uh, Casino in, in Atlantic wow. City. And, you know, it was such an honor. I went out there and the guy calls me up, his, his rep guy calls me, he says, Willie wants you to you know, come to, the, to his celebration and he wants you to speak. I said, really? He said, yeah, there's only going to be three guys talking. And he said, he wants you to talk and he wants you to be the first one and tell the story of how you met him. And so wow. I, I said, wow, what an honor. So I did that. So I got up and there's, there's about 3,000 people in the ballroom packed in. And I and they introduced me. And so I get up there. I said, okay, I know exactly what every single one of you sitting here right now is thinking. What the hell is he doing here? And I said, yeah. I'm thinking the same thing. What am I <laughs> telling you know, about boyhood hero and all that stuff? We go and I tell the whole big long story about meeting Willie and getting to be a, a friend and being invited to that. So that was that was a very special thing in my life when it comes to sports. So that's how I got started. My brother was there. I played in my first uh, organizing. I played in on the eighth grade. Uh, it was well for for the eighth grade team in basketball and, and well they call it grammar school back then it's elementary school. Uh, my brother was on the team and I played. I was in the fifth grade and played on the team with the with the older older boys. So that was my first big experience in uh, in basketball and it went from there. 
Wow. Here's a real crazy question. Wow. Have you always been taller than most of no. your classmates? Never. Okay, good, good. No, so I, tell I, us I, about after, that. After my after my sophomore, my junior year in high school, uh, I was six foot one. Mm-hmm. I, I came back to school uh, at six, five and a half and, or six, four and a half and grew another inch during the season and then grew two more inches in college. I, I finished high school. The high school basketball season was finished my senior year and I hadn't turned 17 yet. Wow. wow. Okay. So I was very young. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That, that, yeah. Yeah. Just, just unreal. Now, in, 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 in this journey to so going through high school, certainly, I, I mean, first of all, I, I got to say, I think the, the cloth to every athlete starts with baseball. I can tell you probably 95% of our guests have always said baseball is what kickstarted their athletic career. It was the first introduced. And so Major League Baseball should be chomping at the bit. But as you go through high school and basketball becomes prolific for you, you really become good at it. When did you realize, I got something here? Well, first of all, the guests you had probably were older guests because back in my day, basketball wasn't all that popular, Okay. And so that's why baseball was the sport. And then football became more popular. But then basketball was the last of the big three sports in this country to really gain its popularity. So I think that's why you talk to a lot of older guys that baseball was the sport they went into. For me, it was too slow. Okay, that's why I I, I wound up pitching because, you know, at least I'm doing something active, you know, and then (laughs) sitting on the bench, you might not bat for only once every three innings. And I mean, it's kind of and then if you're out in the outfield, I was playing center field. I said, this is crazy. I could be out here the whole game and never see a ball. So I got pitching. So then I said, now when I grew and got taller in high school, I said, hell, I'm going to go play first base when I'm not pitching so I can still have some more action. So I'm an eight tie personality. And so basketball just became much more fun. But I also, things happen. Mm-hmm. I had something happen with the junior varsity coach when I was a sophomore. And I'm pitching. I'm batting 500, okay? I mean, I have really good eye-hand coordination. Wow. I'm batting 500, better than wow. anybody on the team. But when I didn't pitch, he didn't play me. I said, Coach, I can play every position. I don't want to catch. I learned that a <laughs> long time ago. But when I'm not pitching, I want to play. I said, I can bat. I hit better than anybody on this team. Wow. Next game, next game, I start as a pitcher. I go one for two. Next game, I'm on the bench. I said, that's it. I'm done. So I left, and I wanted started, and I started focusing and practicing basketball all the time. The varsity coach the next year came up and he said, we'd like you to play ba- you know, baseball. I said, well, if I play, am I going to play if I'm not pitching? He said, oh, you're going to play. I said, okay. So I played, and I made All-State two years in a row. Uh, but but my, my wow. love for the game you know, had gone. I mean, it just wasn't, wasn't for me because it just was too – too slow. To, to be honest with you, I wish if I had something to do over again, mm-hmm. they tried to get me to play when I went to college. I, I wish I had played. They had a very good baseball team. Ron Frazier was a coach. Miami had a very good baseball team because yeah, the weapons yeah. great to play all year long. And I, I wish I had done that because I, when I look back at it, I would like to have been, you know, a Bo Jackson kind of guy or, you know, mm-hmm. the guys that played two sports and were able to do it. Uh, Gene Conley in basketball did it with the Celtics and played uh, played baseball. Dave DeBusher did that. Didn't do much in the in major leagues. But I would like to have done that because I, I think I'm a, I think I'm an exceptional athlete. To be perfectly honest, I was blessed with some yeah. unbelievable God-given natural abilities. I mean, I'm still like now. I, you have to do something. I'm actually one of the top-ranked pickleball players in the world at my age. Oh, what? really? Yeah. What? And so you got to stay active and do stuff. And so you know, yeah, basketball yeah. was a fun sport, and I loved it. it. It's been great to me. I just joked with my mom. God rest her soul. She's not with us anymore, but. Um, if she were, she'd be very old. <laughs> but she, I said, Mom, why could you have waited about 10 years to have me? She said, hey, shut up. You're lucky I had you in the first You're place. You're lucky I had you. <laughs> I said, but, Mom, if I had you, I said, I would be making so much money. I would build you that house you always wanted with yeah. the kitchen overlooking with the sun. And and uh, so she said, that's okay. That's okay. You're taking care of me pretty good. Oh, oh my God. It just hey, drops hey. in a pickleball reference on us, and he's ranked. I mean, what? Wow. Now, have you played in Albuquerque at the pickleball courts here at Manzano Mesa? No, no, I haven't. I've played a lot of places, but right now I'm focusing. I'm involved with the company that I do some stuff with, uh, Mm -hmm. LOMD. We have a new product that we branded called the the Ultimate Repair X, and it's an unbelievable product with cannabinoids. But so we're a sponsor for the PPA, the Professional Pickleball Association, so I can get into any tournament that they're playing in. But, and I did that early on for a couple of years back. But the problem is, is that 
I could get better play and become a better player playing with the people where I live in, in Colorado and in this, in this time of the year and then in Florida in the winter, and, you know, really good players. It's hard to find people when you get older to find people who are good enough yeah. and can yeah. compete on that high level. So, in fact, I'm, I'm, every show I get on, I'm talking about it. I'm trying to find an 80-year-old woman who's at least a 4-0 or 4-5 player to get – because my goal in life this next year, I'm going to be 80 years old. I'm going to try to play in the U.S. Open. USA Pickleball Nationals and the World Senior Games, three major tournaments, and I want to try to win the Triple Crown. I'm going to play singles for the first time. I'm going to try to win singles, mixed doubles, and men's doubles. And so that's my goal for next year. And I've got to find an 80-year-old woman who's at least 4.0 or a 4.5 player to be able to be my partner. I've got a guy that I won the – we won the U.S. US Open in the 75 to 79 uh, 4.5 category. And we, uh, really? so he'll be 80. So uh, I'm set with him as a partner for men's singles. That's on me, which I really like. And I'm going to try to go for that. And then I've got to get a woman. You know, that's it. Wow. wow. How cool is that? That is really this is cool. one of the great sports. Cause you can go up to one and say, how old are you? And you don't have yeah. to get away with that. Yeah. <laughs> 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 okay. So there you have it, folks. Rick Berry, the ladies out there, uh, send us an email. We'll connect you to Rick. Let's go. Oh, yeah. Pickleball, baby. Pickleball. Let's go. So, Rick, you have to be 80 years old next year or 4.0, 4.5 rating. You got it. You got oh, wow. It. Okay. All right. You talked about the University of Miami. Take us through that journey. You've become a pretty good star there. Your senior year, you just tear things up, and you, you're looking at the draft. But but tell us about some of the highlights of your college career that you recall that were important to you. Well, we had an amazing college basketball team. My last year playing, I think it's still a record. We averaged almost 99 points a game with no three-point shot. Wow. Yeah, we, we, were, were, 60s. we were We were unbelievable. I mean, we, I, I mean, I averaged like 36, whatever it is, 36, 35, six points a game, led the nation in scoring. And I had guard. My two guards were Indiana guys, Junior G and Rick Jones, and, you know, great guys, great players. And and another another guy from Indiana, Wayne Becker, was our small was the other forward on the team. Those three guys, when they crossed half court, especially the guards, they thought they were in range. Hell, if we had a three point shot, we'd have scored 110 points a game. I, I, I gotta I gotta interject right here, Rick. It was actually 37.4 points a game. Okay, well, there you go for Rick Barry. Here's the thing: no I, I never went out trying to score points. You know, really? as far as you know, I gotta try to get this or something. Think about going, and I swear, I just true, never, never. I went out wow. there. I was aggressive. I was trying to score every time I touched the ball and would try to score, provided I didn't have a teammate in a better position. And so right. it wasn't like I just got it went one on one all the time. I mean, I got out. I ran. I got on the offensive boards. I mean, I get to the free throw line. But I was an aggressive offensive player. Not a great shooter. People great. No, I was never a great shooter. But I was a great scorer. You can okay. shut. When I hear these guys on TV, oh, I almost cringe every time, especially a former player. Oh, he's a lockdown defender. I said, maybe you got locked down in your career. I never got locked down. I never met a lockdown defender, okay? And there is no such thing as a lockdown defender having to guard a scorer. You can lock down a shooter. You yeah. can't lock down a score. I have too many ways to beat you. Oh, Michael Cooper. God, I love that. <laughs> oh, you're just rolling around right now on the floor. Oh, my God. <laughs> I would love to play against Michael Cooper. I would love to play against Dennis Robin. I would love to play against any of them. Oh, oh baby, I love it right guys. here, right okay. here on the grid. I love it. Okay. I love it. Coop and I are dear friends. I can't wait to. Oh, tell Coop's great. He coaches in the big three with me. I just saw yeah. Coop last weekend. He's a great guy. Yeah. I really like him. Oh yeah, he was awesome in, in 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 college here at New Mexico. Okay, so now we're rolling. You're in college. Your senior year, you're just tearing it up. Uh, one of the top scorers in the country, and no, the top scorer in the country. You yeah. know, I was getting ready to correct myself. <laughs> but, Let's get it straight. Yeah, let's get it straight. You can see the competitor in him, right? <laughs> I love it. I love this. So now you're you're like at the top of this mountain, so to speak. Getting looking, the pros are looking at you. Uh, you had the confidence that number one, the top player in the country. You're going to be. Was there a team that you were most interested in? Hopefully, that would draft you. Well, I grew up in New Jersey, so I mean, I was right. a big Knicks fan and stuff. So I was, you know, hoping the Knicks were going to draft me, and uh, they didn't. Uh, they had the chance to draft me. They had the first pick, and they chose Bill Bradley. So I can tell you, oh. I'm not a vindictive person, but I had a lot of big scoring games against the Knicks. Okay, yeah. I yeah. never forgave Ned Irish. He said I was too skinny and flaky. They asked him if he ever going to draft me first, and he said he's too skinny and flaky. Now he might have been correct, but I didn't appreciate him saying that, and uh, <laughs> I never forgot it. Okay, to this day. And so, now, did Bill did Bill Bradley ever lock you down? 
Did he ever Bill lock Bradley you down? didn't even play his first year. I can't even believe they drafted him. They knew he was going to Rhodes to be a Rhodes scholar. He wasn't even going to play the first year. Uh-huh. And he was a great, you know, I mean, he was a great college basketball player, but he never became a great pro basketball mm-hmm. player. He was a very good pro basketball player, great teammate to have. Guy knew how to play the game, but he never became a great uh, pro basketball player. So anyway, so that that's what happened, but it worked out. Everything works out in life for a reason. And so I wind up going out and getting to play with one of the greatest centers in the history of the game, Nate Thurman, play with one of the best point guards of the time out there, Guy Rogers, because, you know, he had the ball all the time. And I knew Guy wanted assist. He was back the point guard, the epitome of what a point guard is supposed to be, assist first. Okay, the scoring yeah. point guard stuff came along a lot later, okay? The scoring point guard. Well, that's a good weird. point guard, like my favorite of, of the guys in fairly modern era was was the way that <clears throat> way that that uh, Steve not well actually I love John Stockton okay but yeah. uh, Steve Nash was the guy that I love because Steve yeah. Nash would rather get fifteen assists but if you needed thirty points he can get you thirty he points get you thirty yeah yeah and, and I still think he's the best passing point guard I've ever seen really okay now people say oh magic and everything yeah. I mean, and here's why I tell you why. Watch video of him. Yeah. He can make any pass with either hand. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Either hand. The guy was unbelievable making passes and stuff. You know, obviously magic, incredible. A lot of great, great passes and stuff out there. Whew. But I'll tell you, from back in his day, he was he was pretty special. You know, Kuzi in his day was, you know, an anomaly because mm-hmm. nobody mm-hmm. played and passed and did the things he did behind the back, flipping, doing all that nice stuff. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, I just – I love Nash because of that because, you know, Get you thirty if you needed it, but he'd rather get fifteen to twenty assists and win the basketball game. And uh, and, and and if anything, I love John Stockton as a person and also as a mm-hmm. player. Would love to play with him, but I think John needed at times to, for to score more for that team. Yeah, he was a great shooter and stuff. But you know how how often do you ever see John Stockton go out and get thirty? Yeah, not often. You no, know, but he mm-hmm. could do it. I mean, I, if I was the coach, if I was Jerry Sloan, I would have had long talks with him, John. We need you to score sometimes. If Carl's not going and we're having some yeah. trouble, if Earl's not doing, we need to get points on the board. If we're struggling, go out and get me some points. Wow, wow! I miss that era of the NBA so much. Oh yeah, miss it so much. The Gail Goodriches. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I remember that name. Dumpy. We used to play. We used to play a lot of tennis together, Gail and I. Really? Okay. Good. I watched him with the Suns. Wow, interesting. Go ahead, Stace. Take him, baby. Take him. Well, I got to tell. I mean, Rick, I, I got to ask you a little bit. So, as you're you're moving out of my first, like, I, I mean, I go for the human element on this crazy show. Going from New Jersey to Miami and then to San Francisco, I got a lot of questions, particularly since San Francisco during that time period where I was a kid watching you growing up, and just between politics and music and everything else, what was that like for a young guy? In his twenties, Jersey, Miami, the I was Bay Area. I, you know, I got married. I had a, I had a kid. I had, you know, I okay. was focused on playing basketball. I mean, huh. you know, that was the, you know, that was the, the, the hippies and all the other stuff were going on <laughs> back in San Francisco and Haight Ashbury and all that crazy stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, it was, it was just me. It was I just wanted to? I hate. I wanted to win. I hate losing. I still to this day hate losing. And my wife will say, "Honey, we're going to go play. It's just going to be social." I said, "Honey, you know I <laughs> really well." If we're going out to play a sport, I'm out there to compete. I'm not out there to be social. Yeah, yeah. No, that story will. <laughs> Come on, honey. No, we ain't, we ain't going there. Man, yeah. what an outstanding deal. Because you know what? That competitive spirit is in everything we do, work, whatever it might be, with your partners, your buddies, but it's always competitive. I don't care if you're playing checkers or chess or something like that. But, Rick, you get there, as Stacy was saying, number two pick, number one for – the Warriors, all of a sudden you get into this Molder thing and it's like, you're just rolling. Like you, it's, it's no big thing. The NBA was no big mountain to climb. You just mastered it your first year. You went on, captured all stars, honors, first team, all NBA. I mean, just tearing it up, leading the team and the league and scoring. I mean, you just, what else is there that we can't say that you did not accomplish? Cause you, you, you did it all. Didn't win enough and, championships. Well, there you go. And that's one I was going to ask you, 
Now, here's the thing. Let me me qualify that by saying I I get so upset when I see all of these rankings of players and how good they were, and they give guys extra credit for being a champion. Bullshit. It's a team game, okay? He's not a tennis (laughs) player. He's not a freaking golfer playing on his own. If he doesn't have good teammates, it's pretty damn hard to win a championship. So what are you going to go and give somebody who got lucky enough to be on a great team that won multiple championships makes him a better player than somebody else at that position that didn't? No. Absolutely not. Has yeah. nothing to do with it, and yet everybody puts all this emphasis on that. It's bullshit. Yeah, I've always no. wondered how players felt about that because you, there's five guys on the court at the time. Football, there's eleven. I mean, it's just bonkers to think in a team game with all the nuance and everything it takes that they try to rank a guy based on his stats. I mean, for in your case with your stats in the '70s, you would have been the number one guy. We'd be doing the whole is Michael Jordan or Rick Barry the goat. Well, first of all, you know? I can correct you on that. Stop doing that, okay? Yeah. The goat is mm-hmm. bullshit as hell. The goat, yeah, when I, I played, was I the guy that screwed up, okay? And mm-hmm. I don't know why they said the goat. They should have picked the jackass instead of the goat. Okay? <laughs> the goat can only be chosen in golf, tennis, individual sports. If you want to have a conversation that's like meaningful, that. have a conversation about players at their positions during their era. You can't compare errors yeah. and you can't compare different positions. Okay. So People say to yeah. me sometimes, Rick, you know, you guys probably couldn't play t- with these guys today. I said, are you on drugs? Seriously. <laughs> I love it. I love I mean, it. I love no. it. If I played, the, you know, what we had for training, nothing. Yeah. Zero. Yeah. We didn't have a strength coach, an agility coach, a dietitian. We traveled four games and four nights traveling commercial. We didn't have the ease of travel that these guys have. They have it so much easier. I I played one season. It might have been the ABA. I played 47 minutes a game. How many players even average more than 36 minutes a game on a team today? Very, very few. Right. And I I get get over it. Oh, man, you know, probably getting tired, worn out. How in the hell, if you got a guy in his 20s playing in the playoffs, can you get tired playing in the playoffs when you don't play three games in four nights or four games in five nights or, in our case, four and four nights? Yep. I mean, I can't believe that. You're, you're in incredible shape. That has nothing to do with it. Yeah. If you're in shape and not hurt, I mean, I hated – you know, this load, load manager, I can't even relate to this. I hated, <laughs> I hated when we were blowing people out. Yeah. Why? Because that means I'm not going to get to play how I wanted to play. Yeah. I love it. I love yep. it. You're on the bench resting. This load management thing makes me absolutely insane. And well, I can't no, I imagine what it though. does. I, I understand. I know. Seriously, Stacey, I understand why. They have got, I mean, in my day, they forgot three zeros on my contract. I made 15,000, okay? Not oh, 15 million. Okay. 15,000. <laughs> so they have all this money invested in them. So they're trying right. not to wear them down, break them down because it's guaranteed money. So I understand mm-hmm. you want to take care of them, but to the extent that it is a detriment to the, the fans, there yeah. should be the rule. No player, unless he's definitively injured where he can't play, should ever be allowed to take a night off on the road, ever. Agreed. Mm-hmm. We're not going to mention all this money, especially going to the East Coast. You play one time back there all season. These fans are looking forward to seeing these star players come in, and the guy takes a night off for yeah. load management. <laughs> it's, it makes me mad for the fans too, Rick. And I love hearing a, an iconic player like yourself say that. There's a certain guy in LA that's getting a lot of heat for that. Drives me nuts. Like they're they'll see him maybe once or twice a season. Some kid has been waiting all year to see him, and he takes it's. It's a gut punch. I love that you said that. Incredible. Yeah, and the other thing too, for they should do a lot of things in basketball to change it. They never listened to me years ago when I talked <laughs> about it, but but the same way. There's no way a player should foul out with six fouls. You get me make it penalty. So if he makes another foul, the team gets free throws and the ball again. Ah. So you make it punitive again. If it's star player, especially you know if you have a star player getting trouble doing stuff, I mean they pay to watch this player play. He has an impact on the game. So make it punitive, but let him stay in the game and play. Let the best players play. Wow. That's okay. a damn good point That's I never good, thought yeah. about. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I got a lot of good ones. The whole Every team sports should have listened to what I talked about decades ago. We got a commissioner uh, here. First we got of all, a new commissioner. when I played, there was no guaranteed contracts to start. Right. Okay? I was the first pick. I had to make the team. All right? Wow. So with the crazy money they're paying now, so let's go. I'll give you a quick synopsis of it. 
the most anybody can be guaranteed is $5 million, which is obscene to me, okay? That's the most, okay? So depending upon the player, and here he is, maybe one guy's only going to get guaranteed $100,000 or two hundred, two fifty. Another guy, $3 million. Another, but they're good guys will get their five. So let's go and we'll take Steph Curry because I love Steph Curry. So we take exactly. Steph Curry. So Steph Curry gets his 5,000. Now, here's where an agent can come in. What is a realistic number of wins that the Golden State Warriors should have with the team that they have compiled? So let's say it's 50 for mathematical purposes. Mm -hmm. So 50 games. So Steph Curry, for 50 games, every win for Steph Curry, right, could be worth $750,000 maybe to get him up to that $50 million that they're making now. He's got to earn it, right? He's only going to get paid when the team wins. And every other guy negotiates how much money he's getting. So the two worst teams in the league, they talk about, you know, going to, you know, giving games away so they can get a draft pick position. Hey, that'll never happen with this system in place because every player on every team has money on the line for winning or losing. That's professional sports. Wow. That's abrasive. And now you think the, the big ears up top are listening to that, that kind no, of, they, they'll never be able to do it now because they've given too much power to the players yeah, association. True. That's yeah. True. Players. That true. Oh. No, but that would have been the way to do it. And it would have made sports so much better because every game would have been incredibly competitive because there's money on the line for every player. The guys in the bench are going to be cheering and doing everything. I mean, you know, <laughs> you, and Hey, a guy gets hurt, right? Guy gets hurt. You don't think he's going to rehab his butt off if the team's losing and he's losing, yeah. you know, four forty, you know, four four hundred and fifty thousand dollars for every game they're losing? <laughs> Are you freaking kidding me? He's going to be rehabbing so freaking hard to get back. It's yeah. be unbelievable. That's yeah. true. That's true. It's one hundred percent true. I mean, I mean they all the players. The players would get in trouble. They'd fight. They would. no. If you fought and everything, you make it worse. You got to get along. You got to yeah, be rooting for your teammates, man. Because yeah. hey, even if you don't play, you got money on the line here. It's just yeah, incredible. Is, I mean, is it fair to say, and you can shut me down and I'll shut up. Is it fair to say that it's just gotten a lot softer? I mean. It's still pretty damn fit. These guys are such physical specimens. Oh, uh, my God. Like I said, if I played today, I'd be faster, stronger, quicker, more endurance, jump higher. As I t- I'd be so much better a basketball player because I had none of that. Absolutely yeah, nothing. Yeah, zero. Yeah. And so they're, they're powerful and strong, but oh, they yeah. do not call it. They do not let as much go as when I played. The guys would come, put your hand on your hips, on your legs, and you'll, you go through the middle, and it's like football, man, getting chucked at the line yeah, of scrimmage. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> so it's, it, it was a different world there. And But here's the problem that the NBA has, and they've always had this, and it was my biggest pet peeve. Everybody say, well, it's playoff basketball. Whoa, 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 whoa. It's basketball. It's basketball. The rules are the same. And I kept saying, can I please see the new rule book that we're playing by? Because <laughs> I love the fouls it. that you called in the regular season, all of a sudden they don't become fouls, and you're going to let it become overly physical. And I talked to David Stern about this, Scott, rest his soul, before he passed away, and to Adam Silver. I said, do you really understand, David, what you're doing? You are giving an advantage to the less skilled player. It yep. doesn't take any skill or talent to hold and shove to and push and, shove. and play yep. physical. And, yep. and you can bring somebody off the street and he could do that and have an impact on the game because you're letting him get away with stuff that should not be. It's against the rules. So call the game accordingly. And the officials, it's a big thing. You, I don't know how it is in football and basketball because of the nature of the sport. They mm-hmm. don't want to feel as though they're determining the outcome of the game. And I said to the officials, and I've talked to them numerous times, you're not determining the outcome of the game. If you call it according to the rule book, rules, what yeah. you're doing is enforcing the rules. The players are doing it because they're breaking the rules. And all you're doing is making people aware of the fact that they've broken the rule. You didn't screw up. You, it's the player who's causing the problem. And that's what they have to get in. But how many times in an NBA game, you see two guys go in the basket, they smash in the air, both wind up on the court, and the whistle never blew. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. That's a charge or a block. You can't have that kind of one or the other. Yeah. With no foul. (laughs) And and the biggest problem, I don't know what football, the way the officials call the game, if you call it a certain way, you're calling it really tight at the beginning of the game, you have to call it the same way at the end of the game. Yeah. Yeah. Players, true. I mean, you know, that's the thing is, okay, fine. I can't do it. So I'm going to adjust. Well, now at the end of the game, all of a sudden, you're letting the other team grab and hold the shove, whereas that was a foul in the first quarter. No, it should be a foul in the fourth quarter. It's so, unbelievable. Do I dare yeah, even yeah. ask you how you feel about uh, traveling in the modern NBA? I mean, oh I'm, god, I mean, it's spoiled. I, so I, I watched some so of it. Here, oh. so here's the thing: we used to drive ourselves around in cars. We rented cars and we drove ourselves. Mm-hmm. Okay, so 
$8 a day. My first year, I remember $8 a day per diem. So you get done with the game. You try to go out and find some place to be able to get something to eat. That's $8 for the whole day. Okay. Get a bite to eat and try to unwind. So maybe you're lucky you fall asleep by maybe, you know, 1231, 130 in the morning. You've got to get up at 530, 6 o'clock to catch the first commercial flight if you're playing the next day to get to the next city. Wow. So think about how that is. And then meanwhile, you know, these guys never touch their clothes. I mean, their uniform and stuff. I had to wash my uniform in the shower after the game, take it with me, what? hang it out at the hotel, take it still wet to the next city and hope that it dried out before the what? game. Oh, okay? my goodness. So it, it, the, what we went through, these guys have no idea. So when I hear them complaining about stuff and talk, I mean, I said, oh, my God, you guys would have died if you had to play back in those days. Wow, oh that is my. interesting. God, now that part I didn't know, and I know I had to go through some stuff, but I didn't have to do yeah, that. Yeah, well, in football, there's stuff, there's stuff there. They take it all, and they get it, and you don't yeah, play it yeah. the next week. Yeah, that's right? true. They, the next day. <laughs> they got time to clean it up. That's yeah. incredible. That oh, is that's outright real. incredible to even oh, no, consider hey, plus, that. And the, you know, the places we played in, Boston Garden was a rat hole. The Madison Square Garden was <laughs> okay. I mean, they had such terrible places. You went in the shower. You hope that you didn't get foot fungus. You hope they had hot water. And you hope they had soap. Oh, yeah. yeah. We've heard the, the <laughs> legends on Boston Garden and what the, the ice cold water. and oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Then the locker rooms, they'd either make it so damn hot and shut the windows. It'd be like a sauna bath and you'd sweat in the locker room. Or they'd leave the windows open and it'd be like a meat locker. You'd be freezing in there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, so, and some teams I had the experience of going into uh, pink locker rooms as if that was going to be an impression on how we were going to play <laughs> the next day. Unreal. Unreal. Okay. Time is moving on us. We'd be removed if we didn't address this because we got to address the author of the underhanded free throw shooting. How, how did you revolutionize that? How did you? Well, I didn't to- do anything. That's the way they used to shoot in the old days. My father, people, they shot two hand set shots and they shot a lot of underhanded two hand free throws. So it wasn't anything revolutionary. It was just that nobody had the nerve to do it. My father yep. convinced me to try it. I didn't want to do it because girls shot that way. They still call it the granny shot, you know, but, <laughs> crazy. but I, I am just flabbergasted that more players have not wanted to try to do something that was proven to be the best. I still think I'm the best free throw shooter, even though my stats, because of the fact somebody beat me, I finished right around 90. And I think a couple of guys are a little over 90%, but my last six years after I changed my technique and it's harder when you shoot less free throws to shoot a high percentage. Cause if I miss one, I got to go weeks without missing any to get it back up into the nineties. So if you're only shooting two or three, so I was able to take the wrist out of my shot. In my last six years, I shot over 92%. My last two years, I shot over 94%. I was a better free throw shooter at the end of my career than the beginning. And this is what I always tell kids. Never be satisfied with what you're doing. You should always strive to improve. Here I was. I was the best free throw shooter in the game. And I got better because I wasn't satisfied. It's incredible. No, it's right, right, right attitude. Right and attitude. I brag about I brag about it because it's the only part of the game of basketball that you can be selfish 100 mm-hmm. percent and help your yep. team. Yep. You're right. I, I never got it, Rick. I, I mean, there was two things I never got in that kind of fall into this category. One, nobody tried to emulate you with the free throw shooting and no one ever tried to really emulate Kareem with the sky hook. I well, feel the like sky hooks too hard. I, I, I just feel like those two <laughs> shots. I'm amazed that today we don't see anybody going, I'm going back to the basics, the, the icons of the game. I, you never see it. Well, his shot is one of the gr- single greatest shots in the history of the sport. Yeah, that's incredible. That is so difficult because a lot of times he did, he didn't do it off the glass, which is a lot easier when you're mm-hmm. running ice running lefty and righty hooks off the glass. But his shots, oh, my God. I mean, amazing. The shot was amazing. And I think it's it, very few people would ever be able to master that. Free throws, different story. Mm-hmm. You know? Different story. I mean, my youngest son is the only one that really went after one. He's been as high as 90% when he's been shooting in his career. And uh, mm-hmm. But my other boys, I never really worried. Brent actually had the highest free throw percentage he ever had shooting underhanded. And then he switched back really? for some reason. I think he got mad at me or something. But whatever it was, <laughs> he, uh, you know, but I, they're all 80% shooters. In fact, I think my son, John, actually shot over 90% one year from the free throw line. They were all good shooters. So if, yeah. if they were below 80%, I would have done the same thing my father did. I would have hounded him to try to change it because 80% to me, you're not a good free throw shooter unless you shoot 80% or better. Wow. That is incredible. I, I used to joke that Shaq should uh, have you on speed dial. And I say, don't Shaq. He didn't want to do it. He, and first of all, overhand okay. never. He broke his wrist. There's no way he could ever be a good shooter overhand. Yeah. But underhand, it would have been perfect for him. 
Oh, he wow. said, I'm a hip hop kind of guy and it'd be bad for my image. So oh. he was much too big for me to argue with. Yeah. Um, but I think he missed, he missed out. It's truly, he missed out on winning more championships because instead of going to the bench because of the negativity of his free throw shooting, he would have been the go-to guy. Yeah. If you have Shaq shooting 80% or more from the line late in the game and you throw it inside to him, the game is over. Yep. Wow. Wow. I and, but he, chose, he chose not to do it. I mean, and nobody's really, you know, doing it. I mean, it, it's, it hasn't changed or revolutionized underhanded free throws because nobody wants to do it. And it's crazy because the NBA and most people now are copycats. Everybody copies everything. You know, it's mm-hmm. like somebody does something well or they want to go and do it. Why? Why? Someone doesn't want to go and try the underhanded free throw. I mean, even some of the women should be doing it if they're lousy free throw shooters. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. That's unreal. Rick, I, I got to throw this in. So there, there's two questions I, I've got to ask you. Time is moving on us and we're almost done. But um, you, you talked about your four boys that played. And Stacey and I five. were talking about. I have five. Oh, five. oh yeah, that's right. So uh, Stacey and I were talking about it with our own kids. And I've got five boys myself. And I've got one. One that just chooses not to play anything. How do you and your bride, who, by the way, has a jersey retired at William and Mary, well, that's, was also that's a wife, star? That's, well, my wife, that's my son Kenyon's mother. My other boy's mother's father was one of the top five basketball players in pro basketball. That's where the, all the blood genes wow, come from. Wow, that's okay. So, uh, yeah, it, it's – it, it, a lot of it's hereditary as far as skills go. I was hoping one of my boys, Preston, would be a decent, you know, play sports and be halfway decent at basketball. To have all five of my boys have Division One college scholarships and all of right. played professionally. That's I mean, a blessing. That's like, yeah, it is definitely a blessing. I mean, I had so much joy getting to watch them play, and oh, cool. and uh, yeah, it's it's unbelievable. I mean, it, it's it's definitely a record. I don't know anybody will ever break it. I mean, there's <laughs> yeah. never in no sport you lose in baseball. Maybe came close, but nobody's had a father who was a Hall of Famer and have five sons all have division oh. college scholarships in the same sport and play professionally, whether here or overseas. It's not winning championships. I mean, it's that's wild. All it's, across it's, the yeah, board. Well, Brent and I are the first in the modern era, the first father and son to be on NBA championship teams. Yeah. Now, is it still just the three families or is there more now? Uh, What's that? What? Gukas and uh, Bill, the Waltons. No, but that that yeah, Walton came yeah, Walton came along. But Gukas was that was that was before the NBA was there. It was pre NBA stuff. Okay. So in the modern era of basketball, my we were the first, and then uh, I think also Bibby. I think the Bibbies uh, wound up doing oh, something. Yeah. That's but right, Walton, right, right, yeah. Bibby. Yeah, but anyway, that's you know that's just it. I'm just proud of those boys, and you know I only have one playing now, and he's still playing. He's, I don't know why the NBA guys never gave him a shot when he was playing, but uh, he's playing in the USA national three X three team. They almost won the world cup again. It was so close. Wow. They lost an incredibly difficult loss for them over in Austria. This uh, couple about three, four weeks, about a month ago. And uh, he's off on the tour now playing the FIBA three X three world tour, trying to see if he can hopefully, because he was so close to making the last Olympic team. He was on, they won the world cup. He played on that team. He went. He was picked and picked as a as an alternate. Had a tryout as an alternate to the qualifying tournament for the USA basketball in three x three when they're in Tokyo first time three x three. And two days before they're going to the cup tournament, he slips on the court and screwed his back up and couldn't play. And they missed out by one game of winning to get in the qualifying to get to the Olympics. So now this may be his last shot to do it. So he's hoping that he can do that, get out there and and play well enough to to be on this next Olympic team. Wow. Okay. Last thing, I'm gonna let Ta- I'm gonna let Stacy take this home with what you're doing today. But we were both blown away because I did not know this. But in the middle of your career, as your as a player, you end up going to back to the ABA and coaching and playing, being a coach player. But you, no, so, I never was a coach player. So you're not a coach player. So you, no, just, I wasn't a coach player. And you know, I did the coaching. It was actually, I actually, I really enjoyed the teaching part of it. Um, because it was amazing how many players are not taught properly. I mean, I get guys yeah. who have been all the way through college and they come to me and I can't believe they're doing some of the things that they're doing. And I would oh. talk to them and they say, I said, why are you doing that? <laughs> he said, well, that's what I was told to do. I said, seriously, somebody told you. <laughs> I mean, so anyway, it, it was an interesting experience. Uh, and, but I never got the chance in the NBA because they, I had the reputation of being, you know, some mm-hmm. asshole or some other, excuse my language, but uh <laughs> And I'm actually a pretty good person, and and they didn't want to do it, but they also knew they couldn't control me. I mean, you're not going to hire me and tell me how to coach and who I need to play. Hire me. Let me do it. In fact, 
I even told people after I'd done some things, I said, look, if somebody gave me a job, give me a one-year deal. Give me a shot. I have enough confidence in myself. If you, if you allow me to have some say on my players, you know, don't give me chicken crap and tell me to make chicken salad out of it. Okay. If that's the case, enjoy, let's take a look at it and see what I do. If I'm getting this team to get better and get as much out of them as possible with the talent that you're giving me, mm-hmm. but don't expect me to go and make them a playoff or a championship team. If you haven't given me the right personnel, because it all comes down. It's not the coach. It's the personnel. Yeah. You don't have the right players for that. You're not going to win. And so, you know, that was the coaching experience there. And they just, they never would give me an opportunity. I never actually got one legitimate interview to be able to coach an NBA team. Really? Wow. Yeah. That's interesting. That is stunning. Yeah. Wow. It was, it was very, it was disappointing, but you know what? In life, everything happens for a reason. It wasn't meant to be. So you move on. Wow. Man, incredible. Why? Well, I, I got to throw a couple of quick fan questions at you. Cause after all, that's what people love to hear. And they want to ask Rick Barry. Two things. Uh, first, was there a guy that drove you nuts that was tough for you to play against or tough to defend or just the guy that you look at back on in your career and go, that guy, I earned my pay playing against him? Well, there's a bunch of guys because I played against the best defensive player on every team yeah. and the front court guarded me in every game I played, which actually made it easy for me because I knew there's no way that I can go out there and not be playing my best and giving my best effort because the other guy is their best defender and they're out there trying to shut me down, which I didn't allow to happen. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, you know, but as far as people go, I had a lot of great defenders. Dick Van Arsdale was a really good individual defender. Uh, and then, I mean, there were a lot of guys that were the, probably one of the best ones in the ABA was a guy named Willie Wise. He was Willie a Wise. football yeah. player and a really tough, a really tough defender. And then Dave DeBusher, you know, for doing it. I joked with really? Dave when I interviewed him when I was done doing broadcasting. And he, he, was, he was still playing. I said, Dave, other than holding, shoving, pushing, and, and grabbing, <laughs> I said, what, what do you attribute your great defense to? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. He answered that question, didn't he? <laughs> so, so, yeah. So, anyway, at that, uh, that, those were some guys. And the, the most dedicated guy that ever guarded me was a guy by the name of E.C. Coleman. E.C. E. Coleman played I, and he was on my team with the Rockets. So it was great. I didn't have to worry about E.C. that season. But yeah, he I told Dick or the Oliva, our trainer all the time. I said, Dick, when we were in the the Superdome, I said, that's just New Orleans. I said, Dick, is the, is the locker room? Is it locked? He said, no. Why <laughs> I said, because E.C. wants to come in here and get my jock with me. You know, <laughs> that was an E.C. One time I, I'm I literally swear if I'm. If, if you were standing next to me, Preston, and I'm I'm three feet from you, and he's guarding me, and I throw you the ball, you got you're open. You're getting an open shot, and that's not good basketball. He should be trying to defend the shot. He's not going to leave me. Mm-hmm. I walked to the huddle in the timeout. He was following me. I said, "EC, I'm sorry, but you're not allowed to come to the huddle." This is great. <laughs> that's so this is great. We've also learned that Rick Barry could talk some trash back some, in the yeah. day. No, I, didn't oh, yeah. talk, I didn't talk a lot of trash on the court. I just went out there because, hey, you know what? When I did what I did. Everybody saw it. Yeah. And so did he. There you go. So did he. I love it. I love it. <laughs> so one one quick one, and then we'll get you out of here with our two-minute drill. Gotta ask somebody that is in the know. How important to a team dyma- dynamic is a Draymond Green? Extremely important. Like when we won the championship, I you know, I got MVP of the series and all the talk about it, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. The most important person on our team was not me. It was Clifford Ray. Clifford Ray was the Draymond Green of the Golden State Warriors championship team in 1974-75. He had all the players there. He he knew me. I got to know him. He always said that he was he couldn't believe that I came to the airport to meet him when he came in for the first time. I said, Clifford, you know what? After we we're dear friends. He's like my brother. I mean, he had some problems, illness and all. And I mean, if something got it forbid it happened, I would have been taking care of his son. Thank God that oh. didn't have to happen. So we're really, really close. And so he called a meeting, which I didn't know about until after the whole season was over called a meeting with the players. He said, I said, what did you say? He said, he said, I told him, he said, how many of you guys in here can go out and get us 35 every night? He said, I didn't think so. He said, we got a guy that can do that. He's a little crazy and he may be tough on you. He said, but you can't take anything to heart. What he says, because it's on the court. You know, when he leaves the arena, what happened here, happened here. Don't take anything personal. He said, all he's trying to do is win and we need to ride him. And so he had that meeting with the team wow. beforehand, but he was the guy that would get on, really get on people about doing it. And, you know, he was just awesome. He was, I think, the most important person on our team. That is phenomenal. I love enforcers. I love when they come in the game and I go, okay, <laughs> it just got real. 
Yeah, that is awesome, Rick. Thank you so much. Well, hey, here we are, Preston, two-minute drill. Uh, well, I want to give Rick an opportunity. He wants oh, to introduce oh, a couple of thoughts for us. Yeah, well, for your fans who are doing stuff, it, it, yeah. and nobody's there, it's hard to write it down, but we'll try to make it as simple as possible. You can go to three different sites. First one is aloemd.com, aloemd.com. That's all about cannabinoids and unbelievable aloe vera based product. I use it every single day. Uh, mm. Ultimate Repair X is one of the one of the things you can just go to the site, read about it. The other site is another cannabinoid thing, Medicileaf, M-E-D-I-C-I-L-E-A-F.com. Medicileaf actually made up the formulation that goes into the aloe MD, and they have a lot of great products as well. Medicileaf.com. Use that stuff regularly. Uh, and then I have Go sleeves g-o-s-l-e-e-b-e-s if you've got you know knee issues calf issues achilles stuff elbow you know arm this is what you got to check out it's got kinesio tape built into it and they're awesome i never play pickleball without it in fact i was wearing it because of my left knee which i had four surgeries on and it's arthritic and no cartilage in it and and it's awesome and i felt so good i put it on my other knee and i wear it and it can be worn as a preventative and it's great for recovery afterwards so go to that site read about it the runners are going nuts on it now for all of those sites rb my initials small r small b 24 my number rb24 you put that code in and you will get a really nice discount on any of those products all right amazing mm-hmm. amazing we will uh, share this with the audience all over social media youtube and the like as well rick fantastic I could use some of that stuff yeah, we, personally. We all can. It's unbelievable for, you know, if you've got inflammation or, I oh. mean, it, I, I, seriously, I, I put it on before I play. I put It's awesome product. I, in fact, Leandro Barbosa, one of my players on the big three team that I'm coaching with mm-hmm. Ice Cube, I was you know, just on the phone with, he, he, I gave him some the first week. And he, he said, when I gave him the locker room, I was going to bring some, but my guy from the company was coming out. Chris was coming with his wife and son and bringing a whole bunch of stuff for the guys. But he got there. I didn't get there in time to give it to him. He, I said, I don't have it. So I got some right before the game. So at halftime, we're still out on the floor. I had to put a tube in my tongue. I went out. I actually opened up and rubbed his, both of his knees with some of this stuff because it just does wonderful things for you. It's really cool. Huge. Oh, man. I'm going to look in some of that arthritis. You could use it for that because that's arthritis has a lot to do. That's inflammation is getting in there. Well, so. that's yeah. we're, we're, uh, You'll be hearing from me, my friend. Yeah. Love all it. Right. Love it. Well, good. Go chase that, folks. We'll have that uh, available to all the okay, fans. Okay, I always like a challenge, so let's go. Yeah, here okay. we go. <laughs> here we go. Two-minute drill. Now, Preston, are you doing the honors? Or would, I'll do uh, uh, yeah, I know, think you should. Okay, should I yeah? do Okay, I'll do it. I think right. you should. I, think you the I, will, I will try. You it's not trying. easy, but oh, I will no, try is... to give a, a short, concise answer. I do have a tendency <laughs> to talk a little bit when I'm <laughs> asked a question. Which is great if you're if you're the interviewer. It's great because it makes your job a hell of a lot easier. Oh, oh that's it's and, job and is so easy. I will try because it's a two minute thing to see if I can do that. I'll, I'll focus on short answers, Rick. Short answers, okay? Because my wife told me see, I'm a very honest person, and I say a lot of things. She says, "Honey, you're probably the most honest person I've ever met, but you're brutally honest." She you're said, "You got to take yeah. the brutality out of your honesty." She said, "What goes into your brain." Doesn't necessarily have to come out of your mouth. So please put the filter in. We we need to have him on here as a third head more often. (laughs) There you go. I mean, this is a beautiful thing. Okay. I (laughs) digress. Here we go. Two minute drill, the end of the show. It's either or. Wonderful meal in San Francisco or great barbecue in Houston. San Francisco meal. I'm not a big barbecue guy. All right. Okay. Today's NBA or yesterday's NBA? Today's with me playing and getting the money that these guys get. Love it. Love it. Love it. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about, baby. Because these young bucks, you know, if they threw me a thousand balls a day, I'd probably be pretty damn good. Gee. All right. And wash the man's jersey. Wash the man's jersey, too, huh? All right. Here's the next one. Um, Outdoors or indoors? Take it where you want. Oh, definitely outdoors. Okay. Love that. Okay. I have so many things. I'd love to fly fish. I got back from the Amazon, had amazing catching oh, peacock yes. bass. I mean, I fish with Clifford in Alaska all the time. Yeah, outdoors, you know, you know, riding bikes, you know, going all kinds of pickleball. Come oh. on, outdoors. Love it. Love, yeah, yeah. That okay. Awesome. You got it. Got it. All right. Um, your favorite movie. Oh, I have to one more thing though. You can sex in outside is even good too. Uh anyway, so <laughs> 
<laughs> my favorite movie was I have so many favorite movies. We could be here for like two hours. I mean, I love movies. I'm big into that. I'm big into TV shows. I mean, I just, I just love so many movies. I love the Star Wars stuff. I mean, I love oh. the Indiana Jones stuff. I mean, I love it when bad guys get the crap beat out of them because I have yeah. no use for bad people. Okay, so I love that kind of love stuff. Right? You know, so that's that's me. I love it. Clint Eastwood, Dirty Harry, love that stuff. Yes. I and mean, I can just go on and on. I mean, yeah, I love, I love Morgan Freeman. I love all of these people. They're awesome. I mean, so yeah. <laughs> I love, love it. it. Actually, okay. on my awesome. bucket list, I still want to try to get into a movie because I studied acting and I really want to try to do that someday before oh, I die. We've got to talk to Bruce. Oh, Lockett we got another show coming. Yeah. yeah, we got another show. What? <laughs> All right. Your most underrated teammate at any level. Clifford Ray. There you go. Okay. All right. Outstanding. Love All right, my friend. Um, I went past this one. Pick up basketball or practice. Pick up basketball. I hated practice. <laughs> no, no. They said they always said Rick Barry is a bad practice player. I said, no, no. I have bad practice coaches. I'm playing 40, I'm playing 30, I'm playing 40 minutes or more a game, and we're gonna go to practice and you're gonna run three line drills for 20 minutes at the start of practice. What the hell are you out of your mind? I mean, you know, let's spend time on execution of our offense, execution of our defense. Let us get a few shots in for what we feel we'd like to do and go home. All right, okay, Love we can it. go with that. All right, here's the last one. Ready the drum roll, and the question is: Who plays you in the movie of your life? Uh, wow, I don't know. That'd be very difficult to think. I would have to say, well, you can't do it now because I don't know all the young actors. So how am I supposed to pick somebody? I mean, everybody I know oh, is old. Right? That's okay. I know most of the old guys. So maybe a guy that could have played me in doing something who I actually love his acting and doing stuff uh, only because of his being tall and doing whatever. Maybe it would be uh, Liam Neeson. Oh, that's a wow. good choice. That is a darn good choice. That's a I good like cho that. I was thinking old school. He already mentioned Eastwood. But I also I could see if you, you hopped him up and gave him some intensity, Alan Alda be a good show. I could see him doing some. Some Rick Barry. First of all, I'd have to try to find out how athletic are they. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> my life thing and go out and there and try to go out there and go ahead and actually be on the basketball court, the pickleball court, and do the things that I did. Yeah, I, that'd be that'd be a tough task for somebody. Oh, Here's what I always do. I know a lot of actors all the time. I said, you know, you guys, I laugh all the time. You said, why? I said, because you know what? I have a great chance of doing what you're doing. You have no chance of doing <laughs> you have, No, don't even think Truth. about it. <laughs> Truth. Yep, brutally And true. I used to tell the football players, I said, hey, all of you defensive backs, you all wanted to be basketball players, but you weren't good enough. You weren't good enough, yeah, yeah. And most of them were. They could jump a little bit. <laughs> that is awesome. Oh, my God. <laughs> Well, this has oh. been an absolute pleasure yes, to the yeah. iconic Hall of Famer, Rick Barry. Absolutely amazing. Hopefully, uh, myself and Preston can talk you into coming back because we left a lot on the table for the folks that wonder what you're up to today. And folks, uh, pickleball. Sure. I've got some more things I'm involved in, so I'll be able to tell people to get some more goodies. <laughs> absolutely. No, absolutely Everybody true. likes a good deal, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's right. Well, especially if it's, see, for me, I love it with something to doing that can actually help people. Oh, yeah. That's oh, the key. Yeah. Everything I talk to you about here is something that can help improve someone's quality of life, which is so critically important. And for you people who are older, I know you can relate to that. For your younger people here, you're not immortal. You're going to get old. So start be prepared to have a different mindset about life. Yeah, yeah I true. love it. I love it. We're going to share all that information for those folks who probably are going to inevitably tell me we went too fast. We will share that on all our social <laughs> media sites. So thanks again to the iconic Hall of Famer, yes. Rick Berry, friend of the show here at Gridiron Icon. Follow us wherever we may be, all the major podcast platforms. And if you want to see Rick in all his glory, check us out on YouTube. He looks phenomenal. He is, after all, highly ranked in pickleball. Thanks again, Rick. We look forward to doing this again soon. My pleasure. And if there's an 80 old woman, let me know. Yeah, We'll, we'll find her. <laughs> we will find that 80-year-old woman for pickleball. Thanks again, folks. See you next Thank you, week. Rick. Appreciate it, brother.